Hey friends, welcome to the Great Things Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Heron. Let's be honest, things aren't going too great in the world right now. I think we can all agree on that. But I've got some good news. This space is created for you to join in on conversations of how sometimes the hardest, lowest moments of our lives can produce the greatest joys. So come on in and jump on this virtual couch with me as we talk about some good news and great things. Today on the show, we have Monica Zuniga. She is a speaker, leader in the nonprofit world, and a close friend of mine. Monica is passionate about creating spaces for women to feel seen and be heard. So we're gonna dive into her experience as a minority female leader. As someone who has seen firsthand how she leads and cares for people, I'm so excited for you to gain insight from her wisdom and unique perspective. So let's get this party started. Well, Monica, thank you so much for joining us on the Great Things Podcast. So good to have you. I'm so honored to be here. Like, and guys, we're on the couch, the green couch. The green couch. Yeah. The Great Things Podcast couch. That's right. Yeah, and it's not the first time you sat on this couch because we are very close friends. That's right. And so we get to kind of do this all the all time. time. And now you guys get to tune in. Yeah. <laughs> this is a normal conversation for us that we would be having. So this is kind of just inviting you guys into yeah. just what life is like for us, just having these kind of conversations. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, we met a couple, actually, we met about almost four and a half years ago when I first moved to Dallas. Yes. And... You we, were shooting part of a story for yep. Right Now Media with me. Yeah. Yes. So I was I was on a film shoot, met Monica, and then there were a few years that kind of passed by and we got reconnected a couple of years ago at a mm-hmm. retreat and we've been friends, very close friends history. ever since. Yeah. We we spent almost every day of twenty twenty together. We sure did. So <laughs> we literally were at each other's houses like every single every day. day. Yeah. yeah. I feel like People just needed to have a COVID pod, a COVID pod, yeah. a quarantine, if you will. A quarantine. We were on the team. Yeah. Yeah. So. It was, it was amazing. I, I honestly don't think I could have gotten through the COVID quarantine without our, Re- our small group retweet. of people. Retweet. Yeah. Like that was, those were the, some of the best times of our lives. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I think we look back now and are like, I miss those days. I know that yeah. I do. Cause it was yeah. just it was a really good time just for our small group to just get to know each other better. And we really went deeper. And so that's where our friendship really grew a lot. So we've, we we've, we've just, gone through a lot together. We've, we've had a lot of laughter and a lot of tears and just a lot of fun Yes, in the past couple of years. So I'm really yeah. grateful for your friendship and Ditto. grateful that we're able to have this conversation today. Same. I'm honored that you would have me on your podcast, number one. And number two, pump for this you are walking in the fruit of a lot of dreams coming to life. And I'm excited to have this combo too, because you know, it's important to me. So I can't yeah, wait. Absolutely. Yeah. So for anyone who doesn't know you, yeah, give us a little bit of, about yourself. Yeah. Well, it was March 7th. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, so I'm born and raised Texas girl, small town. I'm Latina. Um, so that's a big part of my story and even what we'll kind of dive into today on the topic, went to private Christian school, ran in college and really had a passion for ministry my whole life, spent some prodigal son years away from God and the church through, um, through just trauma and life experiences, but the Lord and his kindness drew me back to himself. And, um, in about 2014, I made the decision to follow him wholeheartedly and never looked back. And that has ultimately led to a big part of my passion and what we're talking about today, the past 
I would say seven to eight years of my life I've spent in the ministry space working for different nonprofits in the Dallas Metro. I have launched a, a nonprofit of my own, done a lot of ministry with women. And then really a lot of 2019, majority of 2019 and into early 2020 before the shutdown was traveling and speaking a lot in a lot of evangelical spaces. And so just experienced a lot of different things that grew my passion for women in the speaking circuit, minority women, and taught me a lot about really what it means to embody being a strong woman and a believer in Christ at the same time. So that's kind of a brief synopsis. I'm engaged to the love of my life, who yes, is you are. who is Lindsay in guy form, <laughs> side note. But we figured that out. It's kind of yeah, creepy. Yeah, we are we are extremely similar in a lot of ways. <laughs> extremely similar. So And we figure out that's why she likes him so much, because she likes me a lot. Exactly. So it works out. Yeah. So I'm I'm engaged. <laughs> we're getting married this fall. And um in October. I'm engaged. We're getting married in October of 2021. That's right. And um, it's going to be a great time. But he's a filmmaker like Lindsay, loves the Lord. And yeah, just continuing this journey together now. But it's been really fun and I'm really excited to see what's next. Yeah, I'm so excited for you. And it's just been fun to walk along this journey with you. Yes. Singleness and dating other people and then meeting him. And yes, you guys just hitting it off. So it's yeah, amazing. It's been smooth. I wish this on everyone. Side yeah. note. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what, that's a result of the prayer and patience and all the totally, all the good fruits of everything of that's been sown into yeah. this relationship. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's been really cool to watch. So give us a little bit more about your background and why you're passionate about raising female voices, especially in ministry. Yeah. I think, um, I wasn't really passionate about it until I started really getting into the speaking side of ministry. And before then I would say I was, you know, I I noticed who was on stage. I always was very observant of that. But once I started getting invited to places and speaking, I started to see that a lot of the women that were invited to certain spaces to speak looked very similar. Um, A lot of them at times, majority were married. Um, A lot of times you'd you'd run into the same same people at different events. And And then even at times when I would speak at different breakout sessions or do things, my attendance was so minimal in comparison to men or other individuals speaking with bigger platforms. And so I started to really um, just gain this deeper passion for elevating other voices and not just my own because I saw the gift of communication. I saw um, just the power of women who feel called, whether it's to, you know, speak at their own churches or lead a Sunday school group or, um, you know, start a podcast. Like I started to realize that there are so many women who have something to say and the way that they communicate and lead can have an impact that's just as powerful, if not more than men in this sphere. And I started to really just ask myself, like, what am I doing to help open doors for other people versus walking through all these doors for myself. And it took a journey for me to get to this place, but I would say my passion really began once I started seeing the discrepancies in this space. So this is kind of a two-part question. How have you experienced doors shut because of being a woman or minority? And then on the other end, what has it been like for you to have doors open for you 
and let me just add, I know that you're an extremely hard worker, so I know that you aren't expecting things to just be handed to you. I know that you want to do your part, but there's also value in other people helping open doors for you. Oh yeah, for sure. That's, I think that's one of the truest things. Thank you for saying that first of all, but like, secondly, I think it is a lot of times like who, you know, makes a big impact. And I will say on seeing doors open for me, it really was who I knew. If it wasn't for that, there aren't, there aren't really any doors I can look at in my life that have been open for me that weren't opened because of the relationship I had with another person. And I remember the first time I spoke on a stage, it was, you know, at a church event and it was my pastor gave me the platform to do it, but he's the one who helped coach me and teach me and really equip me to have the ability to know how to present a message. And the bigger stages I've been on have all been individuals opening those doors for me and giving me that opportunity as well. As far as doors being closed and opportunities not being presented to me because I'm a woman or, you know, being a minority, I feel like those have really, I have felt that more in a space where I feel like I'm being asked to go simply because I am a minority and a female more than the doors being shut on me. And what I mean by that is we live in a a day and age, like just, you know, we're talking about hard things, you know, in life and our world's not doing too great. And part of that is there's a lot of racial tension and there's this pressure now that I believe churches, conferences, events, they feel this pressure to include every race now and every person to feel represented when I would even say five years ago, that wasn't the case. That wasn't the pressure to have that. But stepping into this space in the realm of speaking and communicating, there were times where I felt like I was only asked because I'm a Latina woman, not because of really who I am or what my message is. There were other times where I felt like there's already a Latin woman speaker, so they're not going to want me or ask me. And I think that is sometimes the case when it comes to being a f- not just a minority, but a female. I think the conversation around the evangelical space especially is that there are certain voices that seem to be highlighted regularly and accepted, but it doesn't always feel like there's room for your voice if you feel like you have something to say. And so I think I think one of the things I had to get out of my head, which I'm still working on, is don't close the door before it's closed on you. Because we tend to think that my voice doesn't matter or that what I have to say doesn't matter or that there's already a Latin woman on stage. There's already a black woman. There's already an Asian woman doing that. I think it's important to understand that every voice matters and you can too pursue that as well. Yeah, that's really good. So for a leader in this Mm -hmm. day and age that is inviting people and they have an open table, what kind of advice would you give to them if they're trying to figure out, hey, there is a seat at the table for you, so I want to invite you without making that person feel like they're the token minority in some way? Yeah, that's such a good question. I think I think it, it comes back to simple things like communication and relationship. So there was an event where one time I was, I truly felt used in that. And after the event, I just, you know, approached the person that had the event because I knew them and had a conversation and said, I really felt this way after the event. And I don't believe that's your heart, but I want to talk about it. And open the door for you to understand that. So this doesn't happen in the future. And this individual was so receptive and it ended up being a really powerful conversation. And I think on the flip side, like it's, it's both parties responsibility. And so if, 
if someone hosting an event feels like the person might feel like they're being used, don't be afraid to ask that question. I think what people are afraid of with with approaching things with minorities is that they'll be offensive or they will come across a way that they don't want to come across. And I have found every time that someone has asked me and just checked to make sure that they weren't being offensive and to ensure that, you know, I felt included and valued for who I was, not for the color of my skin. Um, or if they even said, Hey, in reality, we want to include diversity and you were the person we felt did that best. And we just want to make sure you really feel valued in that. That always made me throw out the idea in my mind that I was just there for a number and for a color. Like, so, and then on the flip side, if I ever felt that way, I've learned it's also my responsibility to communicate and ask. And so I think both sides, communicating, asking, being clear with that person, letting them know your intentions. And I think it's also okay. You know, we have to have the maturity to be able to say at this event, we want to make sure we're inclusive because we want to represent everybody. And yeah. And we feel like you are a really great person for that. And I've been told that. And I usually feel super honored that they would think of me to do that because it's like, wow, I'm representing the Latin community and they picked me. Like what an honor. Yeah. You know? For sure. You may be wondering, where did the name great things come from? Well, Psalm 126.3 says the Lord has done great things for us and we are filled with joy. That truth has been so evident in my own life, and I want to help others discover the great things that He can do in their lives through the gospel and living a life of surrender to Him. My hope is to leave you better than you came and to encourage you to fully embrace the joy that comes from walking with Jesus. So when did you give your life to Jesus, and what did that season of your life look like, and how did that kind of pour into the ministry that you've had for several years now? Yeah, I think um, I grew up in the church my whole life. I think I was probably seven or eight when I originally gave my life to him and on my baptism certificate says I was that age, but it really was when I was in my mid twenties, around 22 to 23 years old, that I had a deep encounter with Christ. I felt a lot of my childhood and into adulthood, this deep call to ministry and this deep call to leading and using my voice but I felt the tension all through my childhood and into adulthood of men, only men are in that position and only few women are in that position and it's not me. So I was at war with the call upon my life because I didn't feel like there was a space for me to fit into that. So at around 20, 22, 23 years old, when I gave my life to Christ alone and my house. I remember saying the words like, I will be obedient to whatever you ask me to do. Like that's going to be my mantra. And that obedience is what has led to me using my voice because he would tell me to do it. And I did it or doors would open and he'd tell me to walk through it. And I just had to start moving without fear of what people would think and what society says, what sometimes religion says and begin owning the strength that he gave me. So I think a huge part of my testimony is and like owning my identity and who he made me to be. And my war with that was that I always felt like he got my calling wrong because I didn't see the place for me at first, but now I fully and clearly see that all along there was a place for me. So as someone who has advocated for female voices, what would you say is the world's definition versus the biblical definition of feminism? Yeah, this is really good. This I feel like we could talk about this for hours because I think there's 
there, there has been a movement that's in the world that is rising with women that I think is aligning with the church. It's like, if they're going to hit at the intersection, they're both peaking at the same time. And so in the world, we're seeing like the Me Too movement. We're seeing, you know, our vice president is a female. We're seeing so many things happen with women in our worlds when it comes to equality with men that is happening at a rate that's very public. And then in the church, we're starting to see more and more women rising up, speaking. They're not just speaking, they're teaching, they're writing books. They're, they're seen as really established communicators on the same level as men. And they're coming to an intersection right now. One of the things that I really struggled with as I stepped into this space was seeing women um, on both sides in the in the Christian world and the worldly world fall into this temptation to overpower men. And what I mean by that is it almost felt like this attitude of in order for me to like rise, you have to fall. Like in order for yeah. a woman to rise, a man has to fall in order for me to be successful and have a seat at the table. I've got to take a man's seat at the table. Yeah. Like anything you can do, I can do better. Like just this attitude and air and arrogance of like, I have to overpower you. And to be honest, like I'm a strong, independent woman. I am very dominant in personality. Yeah. It's no secret if you've known me for five minutes <laughs> versus five years. And I think there is this temptation for any strong female who believes in women's rights and advocates for a woman voice. There's the temptation to believe the lie that femininity is domineering masculinity. And I don't believe that's God's biblical design. Yeah. So I would say the world's definition is feminism means women are greater than men, not just equal. I think the biblical definition is women are equal, but they also still honor men. Like I would never want a man to be in my presence and feel demeaned or less than because yeah. I'm at the table. Mm -hmm. Whereas I do feel like in the world we see in our culture online and experiences that a woman wants to bring a man down and bring his character down in order for her to have value. Yeah. And I don't believe that's God's, way. I don't believe that's his design. And I believe that as a woman, if you embody masculine qualities and feminine qualities, that doesn't make you less of a woman. And if a man embodies masculine qualities and feminine qualities, it doesn't make him less of a man. And we are called to not just coexist, but honor one another and uplift one another and create space for one another. So I think that's, it's, it's very touchy in, in the world's terms. And I think our generation is really confused about how to walk in that femininity and be strong without emasculating a man. Yeah. So kind of give us a little bit more about that. Like how would you define like that masculinity and that femininity that you were yes. just talking about? Yeah. So I think the best way I can put it is when I read the word of God, I always want to go back to God. I always want to go back to the character of God. I always want to go back to what his word says because that's ultimately our guide. If I'm a believer and I'm living my life in the world, but not of the world, then what makes me different? And ultimately it's yep. going back to truth. And so if I'm looking at scripture and reading it, what I'm seeing is that the character of God throughout the old Testament, the character of Jesus in the new Testament is that he was strong, 
masculine, dominant, judging, like very much everything that you would def- like you would imagine in a man to be fully manly. Like he's he's got a beard, he's got his flannel, you know, he's chopping wood, like that's God. <laughs> yep. But I see the same qualities of a woman in God in the Old Testament and New Testament. He's emotional, he's tender, like he's nurturing, he's he's compassionate. He's, he like loves all people. Like I think men and women do too, but there's this softness to God that a woman possesses and there's a softness and there's a hardness to him that a man, you know, generally possesses. I think when I'm saying the definition of that, what I'm trying to get to here is in eternity and in God's view, we embody both. We don't just embody one. Yeah. I think in the world's view, it's like, feminism tends to have this hardness, this aggression, this aggressive, even the word feminism feels aggressive sometimes, you know, like feminism feels hard. It feels aggressive. It feels domineering. It feels at times like if I'm going to use that word that I'm associating with a lot of things of the world, just by saying I'm a feminist. And I think we can say like, I'm, I'm feminine and I'm a woman and I'm pro women rising. I'm pro women taking their place. I'm pro women um, continuing to minister, but I'm not going to minimize my softness and my tenderness. And I'm not also going to lean too hard into my hardness and my masculinity. And so I think the difference is really having the wisdom and the ability to embody both, but also creating space for men as well to embody both. Because if we're honest, a lot of men do embody both and yeah. that's a good thing. Like yeah. we're created to be image bearers of Christ. And if he embodied both, then we can too embody both. Yeah. I think it's maybe even not even so much about like leaning towards masculinity, but I think those are just like leadership qualities. Yes. That's such a good point. Yeah. I love that. I think, I think what happens is in the church, when you are a female who is loud, strong, a leader Mm -hmm. and has these natural qualities that at times, you know, can look like masculine qualities. It can oftentimes feel like you're being too masculine and too Mm -hmm. much of one thing. And I think what I've had to learn the hard way through my life is that by me possessing those qualities, it's not a negative thing and it's not a bad thing. And God didn't make a mistake in that. And me leaning into those doesn't look like me going to the extreme of what those are. It looks like me still having a really good balance of both and walking confidently in those leadership skills to exert the gifts God's given me, Yeah, you know? Yeah, that's really good. So something that I've seen you do really well Mm -hmm. and I've experienced it myself is how you value collaboration over competition. Mm. And that's not just men versus women, but it's also women versus women. Like Mm -hmm. there are so many doors that you even open for other women, Mm -hmm. even in the same sphere that you're in, that you could see that as a competition and be like, no, I'm not going to be any part of helping you out in that area, but instead collaborating, working together to build the kingdom, because that's the most important thing. That's something that you do really well. Where did you learn that? And why do you value it so much? That's really kind of you to say, so thank you. And 
I, I definitely feel like I've intentionally done that. And I, I don't think it's something I learned. If I'm honest, there was a time in my life where at the end of 2018, I remember having a conversation with God as things were starting to pick up for me. And I was starting to notice the lack of representation of diverse women, to notice the lack of women feeling the confidence to speak. I started to notice that women really weren't even afforded the opportunity to learn how to speak. You know, I had a male pastor take me under his wing and teach me, but that I started to realize more and more was extremely rare. As I started to come face to face with this reality, I remember sitting in my living room and talking to the Lord. And I had a moment of pride where I said, I can pursue this full force and open a lot of doors for myself and make myself Christian famous. And I'm a three on the Enneagram and that's the temptation of a three is like you want success and fame. And I had a moment where I started to realize the exposure, the more I was in the circuit, the more I was gaining this, you know, high of doing these things that it was, it was building pride in me. And I said to myself, I can pursue this with all of me for me, or I can pivot and really open doors for other people. And on my deathbed, what's going to give God more glory. And I knew that if I began to use my resources for other women and not myself, that it would ultimately have a greater impact for the kingdom than me on my own trying to do things. Yeah, that's, that's so important. I think that there's this myth that there's scarcity and there's not enough room for all of us. And I think that's a lie from the enemy. Mm -hmm. And it's something that I even have to remind myself of sometimes that like, no, there's, there's room for all of us here. You know, like if we are running after, you know, just a a kingdom perspective, then there is going to be room for everyone. And if our mission is in the right place, then we want to help each other and and build each other up. Yeah. I think that's, that mindset is, is key and crucial to not only you having the stamina to run the race for the rest of your life, and use your voice, but also, like you said, to, to lift other people. And one of the things I've learned, you know, I've, I've been in like the ministry sphere officially about six years. One of the things I've learned is that if God calls you to it and you say, yes, nothing's going to stop what he has purposed for you. And so to open a door for someone else, to lift someone with you, to, watch someone go further than you. Cause I've now lived to see that. Yeah. I've seen myself open doors for people that are having a bigger impact and have bigger stages and a bigger name than me. And there's the temptation to be jealous and to be angry that I was, am not there because it does feel like there's not room for everybody, yeah. but there's the reality of like, no, like when really the feminism theme is like when one wins, we all win. Like when yeah. one makes it, we all make it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, you have got to have the mindset of like, it, it doesn't mean it won't be hard. It doesn't mean there won't ha- it won't have its challenges. It doesn't mean that there aren't, like, are there women out there who have more bigger doors that have been open for them that they can walk through to have a quote unquote bigger influence? Yes. But you still have doors that are being open for you that can still make an impact. And you still have the power to open other doors for op- other people. And I think having that mindset of like, I can walk through, there's always a door for me to walk through and there's always a door for me to open. Yeah. I think that is really important as you 
grow your voice and build your stage and pursue what you're pursuing, whether that's on a platform or if it's in your business or, you know, in your church, like wherever it's at, you can, you have the power and authority to make an impact because it's not just on a stage speaking. There's so many places where women still need doors open for one another. Yeah. Yeah. So what does that look like for you now? You, you said that you used to, you know, want to be Christian famous mm-hmm. and want to have a lot of influence. Yeah. What does that look like for you now? Do you still have that temptation or do you feel like the Lord has worked on you in that way? You know, I'm human. So yeah. I think we all have that temptation and we live in a world where there's this fairy tale that if we just got more followers, everything would be easier for us. And we'd live this life that's carefree and we'd have all these sponsors or we'd get everything handed to us almost. And sometimes I do fall into that uh, mindset of wanting those things, but I honestly don't struggle with it anymore. And uh, to the degree that I used to at least, and I don't wake up at night thinking about how I can gain more success for myself. I really think more about how, what can I do for other people and what doors can I open for other people and whose story do I need to tell and how do I make an impact? And I think those are the things that I find myself focusing more on. And what's, what's, what's ironic is some of the biggest doors that have been open to me have been since I've stopped trying Mm -hmm. to strive and open doors for myself or feel like I had to prove myself to people and my value. Once I kind of took a step back and stopped, I've really seen God do things that honestly had nothing to do with me. And so I think having the peace and the confidence and like who you are and being content in that and, and being able to use a lot of what I've been given to help other people has truly been more rewarding than me doing it on my own. And I have personally seen that in you. And so that's been been really cool. This podcast is sponsored by Faithful Counseling, a platform of better help. If you're looking for a mental health professional who is a practicing Christian, Faithful Counseling may be a great option for you. Faithful Counseling is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. All you have to do is fill out a questionnaire and they'll match you with the right counselor. I love that they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about because it's always a good time to invest in your mental health. Financial aid is available, plus we have a special offer for Great Things listeners. Get 10% off your first month by going to faithfulcounseling.com slash great things. And of course, the link is in the show notes. Thanks again to Faithful Counseling for sponsoring this episode. So kind of jumping back to what we were talking about before, what's a practical way for women who are wanting to rise in leadership Mm -hmm. to honor men who are already in leadership or just, just in general honoring men in this space? Yeah. I I will be honest. It it took me a lot of practice to learn how, and a lot of it is really just changing my mindset and then being aware of, of the people around me. And so I think one of the practical ways is I, I started to ask myself the question when a man is in my presence, does he feel most like a man or does he feel in competition with me? Because I learned that 
my behavior in the past, especially around men that were believers, was I felt like I had to prove myself, yeah. prove I was a leader, prove all these things. So it was like we were going head to head. But once I started to ask that question, it really framed a lot of my behavior around them to, to honor them, to love them, to respect them, to not try to one-up them. So I think asking the question, does a man feel like a man in my presence? And I would ask my guy friends that, like, do you feel like a man around me or do you feel like I emasculate you? Because I had to come to grips with the reality that I emasculated a lot of people before I was comfortable in my strength as a woman. Mm -hmm. So I think asking that question is a great start. And then I think for guys who are around strong women, um, I think I would tell them like create a safe place for them to thrive. If you notice a woman like in competition or um, trying to like buck up against you or or overpower you, she probably doesn't feel like she's able to fully exercise the gift she's been given. And so if you're a man in leadership above her, I would suggest that you sit down with her and you call out the gift in her. And then you ask her, what are some areas that you guys can work together to grow that gift and allow a safe place for her to have fruit in that area? So I'll just kind of preface this by saying, I know that there are different beliefs, especially in the church on women speaking up and teaching and all those things. But I think it's so important whenever we see that the secular world has women rising up left and right and are becoming, are are given more leadership positions and in places of power. Mm -hmm. I think it's just as important for women in the church Mm -hmm. and just Christian women in general to have just as loud of a voice Mm -hmm. because we want the truth to outshine yes. the lies of the enemy of, of the world. Yeah. So despite different beliefs that people may have, mm-hmm. how do we best honor mm-hmm. people in different types of churches, but still use our voice? Yeah, that's like such a good, powerful question. And I love that question because the reality is, is that, you know, I may feel this call to speak and be on stage and have never spoken in my life, And my church may not allow women to speak, you know? And so what do you do with that? How do you wrestle with that? And my advice would be a few things. If you're a leader at a church or a pastor listening to this, whatever your church believes, I would say really do the hard work of identifying women who are leaders in your church you trust. If at first it's just your wife or a colleague's wife um, or someone on your women's ministry team, leaning on them to help proof your message, not just males in your church. A lot of times I think there are little things within delivery of message where a man will use jokes that relate to men or they'll, they'll make comments about their wife and talk about how their wife is just pretty every time they talk about her. But a woman is so much more. So for him to not just say, if, if someone else is proofing the message that has that strong strength, she may not be on a stage, but she gets the behind the scenes look at the message beforehand to help edit a few things, edit a few jokes, edit some stories in the Bible to help highlight strong women in the Bible, to help highlight qualities of your wife. How she's not just pretty, but she's strong. She's resilient. She's um, per, she has perseverance. As you communicate as a male on stage and you begin to highlight women in different lights, you begin to raise up female leaders in different ways because they're seeing women in a different lens and a woman feels like she has more authority. Um, if you're a female leader and you feel like you're limited in where you can use your voice at a church and you feel unsure of where to go and how to 
execute that in that space, I would highly encourage you to one, serve your butt off because that's the way to go. And I'm, I'm sounding so old school, but that's me (laughs) to the core. That's how I got every door open for me was serving and serving, 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 build relationship with the pastoral team and communicate to them that you have this passion to use that gift. That gift may begin with you leading a small group and you be the leader of that. And that's how you start to use your voice. That gift may start with you welcoming people. You know, that gift may start with you managing social media and writing the captions and using your voice there. There are so many different areas where your voice can be used and it doesn't have to look the way you anticipate it looks because it probably won't look that way in the beginning. And I think that's what people don't always talk about is once you start using your voice, you don't overnight get on a stage, you know, it starts small and to honor the people in place, you build relationship with them and that relationship builds trust. And then they gain more trust to give you a platform and that platform, depending on the beliefs in your church may look different, but the platform can still be just as powerful and you still have a voice to use. And when other people see that you are the one leading that small group as a female that's mixed, for example, boys and girls, when they see you heading social media and writing the captions that hundreds and thousands of people are seeing and impacting them, when they see you proofing messages for your pastor, when they see you a part of this process, they will see that there's space for them too and that their voice matters just as much because we're not limited to children's ministry anymore. So I think don't be afraid to ask to serve in those areas and Also, if you're a pastor listening or a leader, don't be afraid to open doors for women in those areas too. So having a background in the corporate world, what are some of the similarities and differences that you've seen in corporate world versus in ministry as a woman? Yeah. So I I came from a corporate background and worked in a corporate environment for about three years before going into ministry for the past eight years. And I would say the, I'm going to go with the differences first because there were a lot. And I felt a pressure in the corporate worlds to dress a certain way in order to be respected and viewed as an equal. I felt a pressure to communicate the same way men did. And to be blunt, a lot of it was really vulgar language and cursing. And I felt with a lot of my superiors that the only way they would respect me was to talk back to them that way. When they would give me attitude, I would give them attitude. When they would buck at me, I'd buck back at them. And um, so that was very different for me. And then I think too, just like using my femininity to gain more success. I felt the temptation at times to flirt with men and do things that were out of my character in order to gain more position and make more money, like just to be blunt. And a huge part of why I left the corporate world is I felt like it was at war with my identity as a believer in Christ. And I don't think that's the case for everybody, obviously, but with where I worked and what I did, I really felt that after changing companies and still having the same issues. So now on the flip side and in the Christian world, I think the, the differences are obvious, you know, I think with what I stated, but I think the similarities are it's, it's still just as hard to be seen as an equal. It's still just as hard sometimes to feel like your voice will be respected or at the same level as a man. It's still just as hard to um, advance to a level where you're, you really feel like your value is. And I think one of the things that 
I listened to a podcast once, I think, or maybe it was in her book, but Christine Kane said this. She said, if you are pioneering in anything, what, no matter what sphere it's in, you're going where no one has gone before. Mm-hmm. And if you're going where no one has gone before, there's not a roadmap. Yeah. And if there's not a roadmap, you're figuring it out as you go. But as you go ahead and you hack and you pave away, like I imagine a jungle where I'm taking a shear and cutting away as I cut that path, it may not be perfect, but someone's going to come behind me and cut it more and create a clearer path. And someone's going to come behind that person and cut an even more clear path and make a more clear way. And eventually it may not be in my lifetime, but someone else will have a more clear direct path to that success than I did. And the person behind them will have more clear path. So I think if you are a woman leading, if you are trying to advance, especially in a in a Christian space right now today, I can't imagine what women older than us, like the Jenny Allens, the Priscilla Shires, the the Christine Canes, I can't even fathom what they went through based off of what I feel like our generation's going through. Yeah. But you will have to accept that being a pioneer means you're going to deal with things that people behind you didn't have to deal with. And I know that the people that have gone ahead of me have dealt with things I've never had to deal with. And I also know that the people behind me will deal with things I never had to deal with, but it's accepting that, embracing it, not complaining about it and choosing to continue to cut the path forward. So how does that correlate to now? What are you doing? What are you doing to help open doors for people? What, what are you doing these days? Yeah. So I am in a, I'm engaged as we talked about. Yes. So I'm, I've been spending this season really savoring the time of that because I'm never going to get it back and planning a wedding and all of that fun stuff. But at the same time, I can't sit still and not do something to support women. And so I've really focused a lot of my time on in two areas. I said a prayer and I was like, Lord, I really want to build something for women, for all women, but I want to focus heavily on minority women. And I remember saying like, I need a little bit of direction and coaching and I need insight on how to do that. And what God's really opened the door for me for, which has been really cool is I've, I freelance full time and the main clients I work with are women. One's a minority woman who's really well known. I'm not name dropping her. And the other is decently known and they have huge ministries that they lead and they are, um, they have a lot of women they're discipling through those. And I've got to see the behind the scenes of how they're doing that and how they're making an impact. I've literally got to get in the weeds of it by helping support them in different areas. And I've also helped grow their, grow their ministries and I've helped them become more efficient and effective. And so this time has, I've learned, I've soaked up so much. I've learned so much. Both of these women have truly poured into me. They know my heart. They know what I want to do. They've, they've checked in with me, asked me questions like, what else do you want to learn? Where can we help you? What do you need moving forward? And so I feel like God's really aligning some things in this season for me to step into that. And then beyond that, you know, I've been having some really crucial conversations with women of color about, you know, their experiences growing up in the church, the experience of, of not just 2020, but everything leading up to it you know, how they feel towards the evangelical church. I want to really create a, a space for conversations for women in the future to talk about that openly so that anybody can listen in and hear and really have the opportunity to learn so that there's a bridge to be built and there's more understanding versus division. When we don't know someone's experience in their life, 
there creates a space for division. But when we have the opportunity to learn and grow and step into their shoes, we have more unity. So I feel like I'm in a season of learning, just like soaking in. And of course, anytime anybody needs anything, you know me, I'm like, how can I help you? What do you need? And I, God is truly, um, every time I've opened a door for someone, he's opened something for me. And so, so good. And the little ways it's like, let me make a connection. Let me do that. Let me connect with this yeah. person. What do you need? Who do you, who do you need me to call for you? And so I'm always doing that, yeah. but I really think he's strategically st- like placing me in a space to soak up some things mm-hmm. before I really step deeper into using what I've learned to impact and influence more women. Well, Monica, this has been a really powerful conversation about how to use your voice as a female. These are good questions. I'm living for this. I have one last question for you. Yeah. And it's what I ask everybody that comes on here. What are some great things that you're into right now? Some great things I'm into. Yes. Well, thank you first for having me. It's been really fun. I love diving into this. And I think the things I'm into right now, I'm into family. You know, I've yeah. been been home living with family, so I'm really into that. It's been great. I'm very into my fiance. Hello, we get so. married. I'm like, <laughs> and I'm also very into wedding planning. Yeah, it is like the cheesiest thing to say, but I've I've kind of come to this place of like, I'm only doing this once. I'm diving all into it. I'm accepting it. Yeah, and I'm even making TikToks. Like I'm out here. She's I'm out, out here, here trying it. to like help some other brides that are yeah. trying to save a buck. So, I think those things have been really great for me to just. I'm learning how to live in the moment and really savor things. And so like everything I said are things that I'm like savoring right now and just relishing in. And of course I always have an end goal and what I want to do in mind, but I think pausing and really being able to enjoy this season has been one of the greatest things for me for sure. That's awesome. And you are really helping other brides by saving a buck. You are definitely saving a lot of money. Do you want to tell them what we did today? (laughs) Yes. <laughs> what I made you do. Yes. So Monica keeps these like hedge clippers in her car. Yes, and I anytime do. she comes no across shame. a tree that's dead, she's a out palm here. Leaf, a palm tree. A, a palm tree. Yeah. She's out here cutting palm branches that are dead. That's which right. I want to say is not harmful or stealing from it's the not, community because no. it's dead anyway. No, because in order to keep the plant alive, you have to trim it anyway. And a lot of places don't do it. So I'm just helping them out. And getting free palm leaves for my boho vibe wedding. Yeah. So Lindsay helped me cut about 10 of them today. She was a beast. (laughs) It was, uh, I was like, you're going to do a favor with me. I didn't even ask. I was like, this might be embarrassing, but you're going to help me. It was not what I was expecting you to do today. Had no idea that you had hedge clippers in the back of your car, but it was, it was a good time. It was a blast. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm helping brides do that. Like, don't pay for that. They're so expensive. Yeah. Just, especially if you're like in Austin, Dallas, I heard New Orleans has a ton of them. So many brides yeah. have reached out to help me find them. So. Yeah, it's amazing. I think a lot of it was because of the, the harsh winter that we yes. had uh, this year. And All the so palm there's trees a died. lot of, yeah, there's a lot of like dead trees out there. Yep. So out here helping out here weddings helping. left and right. Yeah. Amazing. This is like what someone's going to take away from the podcast. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is the number one reason why you should tune That's in. That's right. It's the Great Things Podcast. <laughs> yeah. This is a really a great thing. Yeah, this is the great thing right here. Free palm leaves. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you again, Monica. Yes, thank you. You know I love you and I've loved having you on here. So thank you so much. Proud of you. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Monica and learned from her wisdom and experience. The Lord has done some great things in her life, but I also want to share the good news. Ephesians 2 says that God chose us before the beginning of time and wanted a relationship with us. But unfortunately, sin got in the way in our world, so there was a barrier between man and God. 
So because of his incredible love for us, he had a plan to unite us and build a bridge. That bridge was his son, Jesus, who came to earth to live a perfect sinless life and then painfully died on a cross, which represented death to our sins. And then Jesus rose a few days later, representing the new eternal life we have in him. There's nothing that we could have done to deserve this kind of sacrifice. It was just pure love. He's alive today and wants a relationship with you too. I would love nothing more than for you to check out the resources page on greatthings.fm to get more information about how to live a life with Christ. You can also submit a prayer request and we'll be praying for you. If you aren't subscribed already, tap that follow button wherever you're listening and feel free to connect with us on social media. All the links and resources are in the show notes. Thanks for tuning in and hope you'll join us again next week for more great things.